I'm a gun lover, a veteran, and a family man. I believe in the Second Amendment and responsible gun ownership. I'm Skip, and this is Gunsmoke. Hey, y'all, we're back. Now, I tell you what, they got a few Q&A questions I'd like to talk about uh, before we get going. And uh, uh, I got some questions that I've gotten emails to, and I'd like to answer them for you. And everybody right at the top of the list, where you been? Well, I just decided to take a break. And then after my break was done, I came back, sat down, tried to go to work, and... Uh, Let's just say the computer and the software shit to bed. So, I've been busy at it, got the computer back up and running, reinstalled the recording software, and the rest is history. And other questions, another fellow asked that, how much do I make at this? I said, I'm going to be quite honest with you, and this is the God's honest truth. I don't make nothing. I do this just for something to do, and it's not about money to me. So, basically... I just enjoy doing it, and I'm enjoying communicating with you people out there. So, and how how big has this thing gotten? It's it's right now. I'm showing over about seventy thousand listens, and um, and I went on Anchor FM and I looked at my dashboard and counted up. We're heard in seventy nine countries. That's that's impressive considering we started this about four years ago and it started out i remember when my dashboard said zeros all the way across the board and we're all we're heard in all you you states in the u.s i mean that's respectable and canada and um it's i'm really happy with the way it's come along and i'm really happy with the support i'm getting from people and i think it's a great thing another another question i got of my politics I say, I'm going to settle this right now. This isn't about politics here. This is about talking about guns. And this is talking about, you know, safe and responsible and affordable gun ownership. That's not about politics. So my views are mine. Everybody else's, it's all yours. So, but this, I don't feel like this is a place for politics and religion. Okay. And, um... We'll let it lay at that. Another question I got about, why do I use the theme from Ghost Riders? Well, I'm a retired Air Force NCO, and I was a crew chief for many years on the AC-130H model gunship. I actually worked on the A models also, and uh, a number of other airframes. But uh, uh, the theme song for the 16th SOS and all of us, it was the theme song for the, the squadron, Ghost Riders. So. That's why I do it, to pay, to, out of respect for my fallen brothers and sisters and the ones that are still with us. So that's what that's all about. Now today, I'd like to talk about the Pedersen device. I got, I got a request for that. And uh, he wanted to, he asked if there was a way to convert a uh, bolt-action rifle to a semi-automatic. And I said, yeah, yes, there is. And, I looked through a number of places, I th- and uh, a couple of Europeans were playing with it back in the late 1800s, early 1900s. And, uh, uh, but the one that was most popular was, was the Pedersen device. 
And today, I don't understand why somebody would want to try and convert a bolt action to a semi-auto with, with everything that's available, but the person was curious, and I have an answer for him. Now, the Pedersen device was an experimental weapon attachment for the M1903 Springfield, and it allowed it to fire 30 caliber pistol rounds in a semi-automatic mode. Now, the attachment was developed to allow an infantryman to convert their rifle to a form of submachine gun or automatic in approximately 15 seconds. So, production of the Pedersen device and, uh, and modified MT, uh, 1903 rifles started in 1918. Now, however, the uh, World War I ended before they could it could be put out there and the uh, contract was canceled on the 1st of March in 1919. After the production of 65,000 devices, 1.6 million magazines, 6 million cartridges, and 101,775 modified Springfields. So, the device, magazines, ammunition, and rifles were subsequently placed in storage and declared surplus in 1931. When the United States Army decided they didn't want to pay the cost of storing all this yet, uh, nearly all of the stored devices were destroyed, except for some examples kept by the Ordnance Department. Fewer than 100 Pedersen devices escaped the order of destruction and have become extremely rare collector's items. And as a matter of fact, the other day I ran into a fellow over at the gun store I usually deal with, and he has one. And he says, there's no way in hell I'm parting with it. <laughs> I says, that thing's worth a pile of cash. So anyway, prior to the United States entry into World War I, John Pedersen, a longtime employee of Remington, uh, developed the Pedersen device. Now, his idea was to dramatically increase the firepower available to the average infantryman. And uh, his final design replaced the bolt of a modified Springfield M1903 with a device consisting of a complete firing mechanism and a small barrel uh, for a new 30 caliber pistol-like cartridge. Now, in effect, the device was essentially a complete blowback pistol minus a receiver grip using a short barrel. Uh, now, the it was made for the device to fit into the longer chamber of an M1903 rifle. The mechanism was fed by a long 40-round uh, magazine sticking perpendicular out of the rifle at a 45-degree angle. So that's to the top to the right and could be reloaded by inserting a new magazine. Now each magazine had a cutout viewing slots facing aft so that the rifleman could observe the number of unfired rounds remaining. Now the system required an injection port to be cut in the left side of the M1903's receiver. And, uh, and that would be adjacent to the stock cut away also to allow clearance for spent cartridges being thrown from the action. Now the sear, trigger, and magazine cutoff also required modifications, which did not limit the ability of the Mark I receivers to function in the normal bolt-action mode. Now, Pedersen traveled uh, to Washington, D.C. on 8th of October, 1917, to conduct a secret demonstration for the Chief of Ordnance, General William Cozier, and a selected group of Army officers and congressmen. Now, after firing several rounds from what appeared to be an unmodified Springfield, he removed the standard bolt, inserted the device, and fired several rounds at a very high rate of fire. Now, the evaluation team was favorably impressed. 
Now, to deceive the enemy, the Ordnance Department decided to call it the U.S. Automatic Pistol, caliber 30, model of 1918. Now, plans were to put in place to start production of modified Springfields, which became the U.S. Rifle, caliber 30, model of M1903, Mark I. Now, the Army placed orders for 133,450 devices and 800 million cartridges for the 1919 Spring Offensive. Now, General John J. Pershing requested 40 magazines and 5,000 rounds of ammunition to be shipped with each device and anticipated an average daily ammunition use of 100 rounds per device. Now, the use of the Pedersen device in the 1919 Spring Offensive was to be in conjunction with the full combat introduction of the M1918 Browning Automatic Rifle, or the BAR. Now, we can all see where this is going to go. So anyway, the U.S. Patent Office issued patents for the, uh, uh, to the Pedersen for his invention, and the United States Army paid Pedersen $50,000 for the rights to produce the device and a royalty of 50 cents for each device manufactured. Now, the Army paid for all necessary machinery required to manufacture the device, and Remington received a net profit of $2 for each device and $0.03 for each magazine. So, the Mark II Pedersen device was also designed for the M1917 American infield, and a similar prototype was made for the Remington-produced Mosin-Agon. Neither of those were ever put into production. Now, production of the device started in 1918, along with modified uh, rifle that uh, December. Now, after the war ended, that, that, that's after the war ended, but uh, the contract was canceled on March 1st of 1919 after production of 65,000 devices with 1.6 million magazines, 65 million cartridges, and 101,775 modified Springfield rifles. Now, each device was to be issued with a belt, including a stamped sheet, uh, a sheet steel scabbard for the safe, uh, safely carrying this device, when not in use, so there was a canvas pouch to hold the M1903 rifle bolt when not in use, and the canvas pouches holding five magazines. Now, the device with two pouches of loaded magazines added 14 pounds to the infantry standard load. So you can imagine all this weight that that guy had to carry around, and then along comes a better thing, which we'll talk about in a minute. Well, Remington subcontracted uh, the magazine production to Mount Vernon Silversmiths, and the carrying scabbards were manufactured by Gorham Manufacturing Company, and the canvas pouches for the magazines uh, for all the rifle bolts were manufactured by Rock Island Arsenal. The ammunition was packed in 40-round boxes sufficient to fill one magazine. Five boxes were packed in a carton corresponding to the five magazine pouches, and three cartons were carried in a light canvas bandolier holding 600 cartridges. Five bandoliers were packed in a wooden crate. Now, ammunition produced by Remington is head-stamped RA or RAH for the Hoboken, New Jersey plant. With the years 1918, 1920. All right. 
Now, after the war, the semi-automatic concepts started to gain currency in the U.S. Army. Now, by the late 1920s, the Army was experimenting with several new semi-automatic rifle designs, including the Pedersen rifle, firing the new 2.276 or 7mm rifle cartridge. However, the Pedersen rifle lost to the new semi-automatic rifle designed by John C. Garand. Now, the Garand was originally developed for the 30-06 cartridge and converted to the new 276. Now, after the 276 Garand rifle was selected over the Pedersen rifle, General MacArthur, or Douglas MacArthur, came out against changing the rifle cartridges since the U.S. Army had a vast stockpiles of 30-06 ammunition left over from World War I. Now, the 30-06 would have to be retained for machine gun use and one cartridge simplified wartime logistics. Now, Garand reverted his design back to the standard 30-06 Springfield cartridge in 1932. Now, the result came out to be the M1 Garand. So, the Pedersen device was declared surplus in 1931, five years before the Garand had even started serial production. Mark I rifles were altered to uh, M1 uh, 1903 standard in 1937, except for, curiously, an ejection slot that remained in the receiver sidewall, and were used alongside the standard M1903 and the 1903A1 Springfield. Nearly all of the stored devices were destroyed by the Army, except for a few Ordnance Department examples. And when it was decided they did not want to pay the cost of storing, they were burned in a large bonfire, through some, uh, though some were taken during the process. Following their destruction, noted the writer uh, Julian Hatcher, he wrote an he wrote a uh, article authoritative article, rather, for the uh, May 1932 issue of American Rifle Magazine, describing the device in full detail. And so, they all got destroyed. And I, like I said, I ran into a guy the other day. He has a friend that has one. I was talking to his friend, too. He was there. He says, it's kept in a secret spot. I says, I don't blame you, man. Nothing. But they are highly collectible, and they're highly sought after. So, if you've got any bitches, gripes, or complaints, feel free to contact me at gunsmoke at yahoo.com. That's G-U-N-S-M, smoke, all lowercase, at yahoo.com. And you can also go to our Facebook page, Gunsmoke, Gunsmoke. Got a lot of people checking in with us. And you'll see there's a lot of groups that I belong to. AR-15 Enthusiast, Snub Nose Club, Modern Classic Firearms, uh, classic fighting hand, hot firearms, scorpion rifle works. They're all great people. And uh, I highly recommend check out our Facebook page and you'll see them on there. So until the next time, y'all take care.